You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Here we are. We're in week four of our series about Holy Spirit. It's been so brilliant last week to have a clarity of teaching about gifts of the Spirit. And the previous week, we were talking about being filled with the Spirit. It's been such a joy, so beautiful to pray with people, to see them impacted by Holy Spirit, filled with Holy Spirit. Begin speaking in tongues. It's just uh, such a privilege and a joy. And as we come to this uh, final, fourth week, and we've been kind of been focusing the last couple of weeks on um, kind of what Holy Spirit does in us and through us. And I want to just bring us back and expand this back out again to remind us of all the things that Jesus said Holy Spirit would be for us and all the things that he said in the New Testament that Holy Spirit would do. So just really quick recap. You may remember from John chapter 14 that Jesus had said the Holy Spirit would be with us so that we wouldn't be left alone. We'd always have someone with us. We would be connected to the Father, that this Holy Spirit would remind us of all the things that Jesus had said. He'd lead us into all truth and that we wouldn't be abandoned and we wouldn't be bereft. We'd know his peace. We'd know his presence. In other verses in the New Testament, that we would be empowered to share Jesus, as we've heard these guys have been doing. We would be enabled to believe We'd be made children of God. He would lead us. He'd help us to pray. He'd bring freedom, and he would make us more like Jesus. This is a lot of stuff that Holy Spirit does. But you know, he doesn't just come and impose his agenda upon us. He is a great respecter of human will. He doesn't just come and do things that we're not requesting or desiring. And so this morning we're going to just consider a little bit how we can work with Holy Spirit. And so I wonder if we could turn together. We're going to read Galatians 5, 16 to 26. We're going to read from the New Living Translation. I think it's going to come up on the screen behind me. These are the words of the Apostle Paul. He says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite to what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, Lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have done before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives, and let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. 
This is the word of the Lord. Here we have Apostle Paul. He says, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Can I hear you say every part? Every part. Okay, the NIV puts it like this. He says, keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step. Now, I don't know, if I can just show of hands, anybody watch any of the coronation a few weeks ago? few of us, I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, but that's fine. There were all manner of military parades. I mean, perhaps more than were necessary, but that's just my personal view. All manner of military parades, people keeping in step with one another. Hundreds and hundreds of people able to walk. I think we may have a picture of one here, a military band. You see, they're all in step. They're all stepping at the same time, just brilliantly done, highly disciplined. And when we talk about keeping in step, perhaps this is the image that it conjures up, high discipline, this regimented approach. But when we come to Holy Spirit, I actually think what he's looking for is more of a three-legged race. It's not this highly regimented thing, this framework that he's trying to get us to fit into, but he's saying, and if we can have the next picture, will you lean in? Will you lean in? You see, if you're going to go on a three-legged race, it's not high discipline that you need. It's proximity, it's connection, it's contact with the person you're running with. If you've ever tried to run a three-legged race and tried to do it leaning out from them, it's almost impossible. You've got to lean together, you've got to hold together, and when we do that, then we're able to move forwards together. So my title this morning is Lean In. This is the primary way, I think, a primary picture for us to understand how we can let the Holy Spirit guide us, how we can walk with him and partner with this one who comes alongside, the Paracletos, how we can partner with him. So simply this morning, we're going to consider three aspects of how we might lean into Holy Spirit. We're going to use some of these verses from Galatians 5 and one or two other scriptures also to help us. So first up, the first thing is to lean in to be loved by the Spirit. Lean in to be loved by the Spirit. This is where Jonathan was taking us at the end of our time of worship, sensing that the Lord wants to minister this into some people today. In the verses that we read in Galatians 5, when he talks about the fruit of the Spirit, the first thing he says is, Love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Perhaps that's not surprising for the Spirit who is the essence of the God who is love. Now, I want us you to cast your mind, if you know any other scripture, back to Luke chapter 3. We have the baptism of Jesus. This is where Jesus' ministry begins. And something happens when he's baptized. We get told that the heavens open and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. And what the voice says is really important. He said, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. And this is important because as the Holy Spirit is coming on Jesus, the thing that is being conveyed to him is that he is loved, that he is treasured by the Father, that he has an identity. This is before he's ministered anything, before he's moved in the power of God, before he's healed anyone, before he's spoken anything really that the crowds are listening to, before any of that, the Father speaks, you are loved. Leaning into the love of the Father came first. As Paul puts it earlier in this lesson, to, letter to the Galatians, he says, because you're his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts and the spirit who calls out Abba, Father, 
You're no longer a slave, but you're a child. The Holy Spirit in us is making us God's children, assuring us, as Jonathan said this morning, affirming in us, affirming in you that you are a beloved daughter, a beloved son, that you are loved. And this is what we see happening in the life of Jesus himself, leaning in to the love of God. It was the first thing that happened as Holy Spirit came on Jesus. And I wonder if it was the first thing that needed to happen when Holy Spirit came on Jesus, perhaps it's the first thing that needs to happen as he comes on us, that we too need to lean in to be loved by the Spirit. It's about letting him affirm our identity in him, letting him testify on the inside of us that we are a son, that we are a daughter, that we can come as we are, that he's not disappointed in us. He accepts us. He welcomes us. You can come just as you are with all your needs, with all exactly as you are. We need to lean in, to be rooted and established in the love of God, as Paul puts it elsewhere. Reinhard Bonnke, the late German evangelist who led millions to Christ across the world, particularly the nations of Africa, because the Holy Spirit's power worked through him, he writes about the impact of being filled with the Holy Spirit as a boy, a boy who'd grown up with many insecurities, who felt strong disapproval from his mother and a, a sense of being overlooked by his parents. He writes this in his book, Living a Life of Fire. He said, I needed the helper. Under the experience of Holy Spirit baptism, the helper became fully alive to me. The reality of the Spirit's presence sprang up in me like a fountain that became almost unbearably wonderful. Suddenly, love made it easy to believe. Neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, not even my mother leaving the room in strong disapproval could separate me from the source of this love. I was lost in loving God and being loved by him. This was life eternal. By the Spirit, I instantly knew that we are all null, we are all zero, until we leave our reality and enter his. This giant of faith, he needed to lean in to be loved by the Spirit. When we go back into the scriptures, we read of Moses, we have his psalm, Psalm 90. We sung of him this morning, the one who opened up the oceans, and yet he prays, satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love. Jesus needed the love of the Father. Moses needed the love of God. Paul needed to be rooted and established in the love of God. Reinhard Bonnke, who led millions to Christ, needed the love of God. I suggest we also, we need to lean in to be loved by the Spirit. You know, when Jesus sent his disciples out, he said to them, freely you've received, now freely give. So the way this kingdom works is you receive something and then it can overflow out of you to others. And this love being in your heart is really important. It's where Martin took us to last week. We touched on 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It sits right in between the two chapters where Paul is teaching about the gifts of the Spirit. And it speaks about love. We often lift it out of there and use it to speak about marriage, but that's not really what it's speaking into. It's speaking about something being radically shifted in our hearts that can overflow out of us. So that when we minister 
through the Spirit, it will be motivated by love. It'll be others-centered. But friends, we have to first receive it to be able to overflow it. For our own discipleship, for our own wholeness, we need to lean in to be loved by the Spirit. But also, if we're going to learn to minister and step out in the gifts and move in the way that the Lord wants us to fully and freely through His power, we need to lean in to be loved by the Spirit. What might that look like in our lives? Well, let's remember that He is a person. He is a person, and so actually, it doesn't look that different to how we might lean in to be loved by a person who's with us in the flesh. We need to take time with him, whether that's in stillness or to worship him or talking to him. We might call that prayer, but it's just a word we use to label talking to God. We need to make room for encounter with him, whether that's on our own or with others together in corporate settings. It means listening to what he's saying. And whether that's to the the gentle prompts that he might be whispering into our spirit, or reading the words that we have written in the Bible. Somebody once said to me, uh, the Bible is Holy Spirit's vocabulary. They said, that's why you should learn scripture, because it's Holy Spirit's vocabulary. So we listen to it. We lean into it. If you struggle to accept the love of God for you, then particularly lean into those verses that speak about his love for you. Now, most mornings I take a little time to be still, to still my heart and to still my head, to make room to focus on Holy Spirit, to welcome him into every part of my life. I ask him to satisfy me in the morning with his unfailing love. If you've been here any time, you'll have heard me say it many times. And I do that before I turn to his word to read it, to feed on it, so that I can learn from it and be corrected back to truth from it. It's not a difficult thing, but it just requires some intentionality. Lean in to be loved by the Spirit. That's the first thing. Secondly, we need to lean in to live by the Spirit. These are the verses that we've read today. So I say, live by the Spirit. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. Paul is writing here to the church in Galatia. He wants them to understand that on the inside of every believer, we have a sinful nature, the flesh, the fallen part of us that was impacted by sin and still continues to be, that although we come to Christ, we don't lose that part of us. It's still there. It means I still have a sinful nature. You still have a sinful nature. The person sitting next to you in your row still has a sinful nature. The people you live with in your house still have a sinful nature. But you knew that already because you live with them. So you see it every day, probably. Perhaps less than every day, depending how they're doing. We all have a sinful nature. It's generally preoccupied with self. Paul gives us a list of what that might look like. I won't read that again this morning for time, but he puts some descriptors around it. The kind of things 
that happen in our lives. But Paul's saying there's a wrestle, there's a conflict, there's a tug of war going on inside every believer. And there's a question for us. Will you live by the Spirit or will you live by the sinful nature? When we live by something, it's like the rule that regulates us, the thing that determines how we behave and how we do things which will it be? You know, if we don't have Holy Spirit, we only have one option for what we live by, and we will live by our sinful nature. But when Holy Spirit comes to live in us, he brings the DNA, the very essence of Jesus, right inside of us, so we have another option. We have another way that we could live that isn't just by the sinful nature. We can choose to live by the Spirit, to be regulated by something and someone who is different. Now, it is true that there is a conflict inside of us. It's like, I don't know if you've ever seen a tug of war where they're pulling one way, they're pulling the other. It's like you can sometimes feel it's going to split in the middle. You know, most of us are aware of a sinful nature within us. We're aware that not everything in our lives is quite how it should be, and we can carry shame around some of that. We don't want to have angry outbursts. In fact, we manage them at work, but our family sometimes still see them. We don't want to rage jealously about how someone else has been blessed. We want to be able to celebrate, but it hurts what we haven't been given on the inside. It's still hard. There's a wrestle. We want to be in control of our sexual desires, of what we're watching, of what we're looking at, and the behaviors that accompany that, but it's difficult in the world we live in especially, and there's a wrestle. There's a pull in different directions. Now, the big issue at the heart of this letter that Paul writes to the Galatians is basically he's saying, you guys, you understood the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit had begun a work in your heart that you knew this was by grace. But now, somehow along the way, you've left that aside and you're trying to prove that you're righteous by the things that you're doing. And we can do something a little bit similar. And the thing that happens is when we live like this, we start to think, actually, I can earn something from God. I can earn my standing. And if I'm having a good week in the wrestle with my sinful nature, then I feel like I can come boldly into the presence of God. But if I'm having a bad week, I won't get you to put your hand up if it's been a bad week wrestling your sinful nature. When we have a bad week, we withdraw from the presence of God. So now I can't come today. I can't do that today. I don't want to be seen. I don't want to step into that light today because of shame that is in us. But friends, this is not a correct interpretation of what Jesus has done for us. This is not a correct understanding of how we can live because the very understanding of what Jesus has done means we don't have to be at our best to come into the presence of God. We are actually welcome at our worst. We are welcome at our worst. So in the very moments when we are wrestling with our sinful nature, at the very moments when we feel like we might be losing, at the very moments when we feel like a bit ashamed or embarrassed about what might be going on in us, those are the moments when we can come to God. This is living by the Spirit. It's the only way I'm going to get out of this moment is by the Spirit. Because I've been here before and I've struggled to do it in myself. 
We're welcome at our worst. We can cry out to God in those moments. I don't know if you've ever known anyone buy a house that is dilapidated, a fixer-upper, you might call it. Our neighbors did this. They move in, and then they build it while they're there. You know, this is what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. He's bought us as a fixer-upper, and he's moved in, and he's here, and he is a master craftsman with all the skills and the best tools, and he knows exactly what to do, and yet sometimes we're living in the house in the same space, and we're saying, well, I don't want you to see that bit. Just don't go in that back room because I just don't, you don't want to see that. Or we pretend that it's okay, or we say, you just sit down, let me sort this, even though we can't sort it as well. We don't have the tools, we don't have the expertise, and yet the master craftsman is there in the house with us, wanting to assist in those worst moments. But welcome at our worst. He already knows what's in us. He already knows what's there. We can come in the very moments of the mess of our sinful nature and cry out to Holy Spirit in those moments, help me now. Be with me now. Help me live by the Spirit, not by the sinful nature. What does this look like in our lives? It looks like, first up, being honest with Holy Spirit about the areas of my life. He already knows it, but sometimes we think we can hide it. It means being honest about my, my behavior, my conduct, my attitudes, my thought patterns, the words that express where my sinful nature still has the upper hand. It means being willing to repent for these things and to say, Holy Spirit, I want to change. Will you help me? This is leaning in to live by the Spirit. For me, in my life where I'm at now, the areas where my sinful nature needs dealing with, it's mainly in my thoughts and the attitudes of my heart and sometimes my words. It's not often my actions nowadays, because I've been on this journey a long time. But I still need to lean in to live by the Spirit, where I'm still not consistently yet like Jesus. And that means there's dialogue between me and Holy Spirit about what is going on in my thoughts, what is happening in my heart. And you know, I feel like it would be great to give a specific example. And even then I'm thinking, I don't really want to share that stuff with you this morning. They say confession is good for the soul, but it's bad for the reputation. So why do I give a personal example? Well, let, but let me share this one thing, because it's important and critical, actually, for us to learn to live by the Spirit. This means that if, and let me say when, I find myself thinking about someone of the opposite gender who isn't my husband in a way that's not entirely appropriate. Although at that point, I'm not proud of what is going on inside of me. If anyone else around me could see it, I would be perhaps ashamed or embarrassed of what's going on inside of me. Because I don't wish it to continue down a train of thought. Because I don't wish it to develop and become something else. So at that moment, right then I lean in, I say, Holy Spirit, I need your help. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know how I got here. I'm not happy that I'm here, but I'm bringing this to you. I'm coming right now, just as I am, right as I am, here, now. Will you help me? Amen. We can applaud because this is our hope and this is our help in those moments. You know what happens in the moments when I don't do that? Is the thing becomes bigger in your head, right? The thing carries on. It gets to a different place. 
And then you begin to feel bad that you haven't dealt with it, and then shame adds in, and the whole thing's getting bigger and bigger. But when I bring it to Holy Spirit, I say, will you help me live by the Spirit, because I can't do this by myself. End of the matter. His power is enough to help us with the wrestle on the inside. This is leaning in to live by the Spirit and allow Him to help us do what we cannot do for ourselves. Lean in to be loved by the Spirit. Lean in to live by the Spirit. And thirdly, lean in to be led by the Spirit. Paul says this, since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Hopefully we've understood this isn't, Holy Spirit's not a Sunday thing, it's not just a church thing, this is about every part of our lives. It's about us growing to become more like Jesus, dealing with the sinful nature, but also being led by the Spirit of God into what he has planned for our lives. Anybody want to do what God has planned for their lives? Yeah, a few of us, this is good. Now the thing is, when we start thinking about what God has planned for our lives, is we tend to think about the actions, the things, the projects, the ministries, uh, the good deeds, and those are all good things to think about, and those are part of it for sure. Ephesians 2, it says we're made in Christ Jesus with good works prepared in advance for us to do. But what God has planned for us, what he wants to lead us into, is not just defined by the what of how we will do. It's also defined by the why and the how, the motive of our heart and the way we go about it and the way we outwork it. These things are just as significant in bringing the kingdom as what we do. It's why we must be very careful about simply seeking a simple answer to this is my purpose in life. It's what, but it's why, and it's how. And this is the crux of what's being conveyed in 1 Corinthians 13 by Paul in the middle of him unpacking about the gifts of the Spirit. Let me just remind you what he says there. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. It's true that God wants to lead us by his Holy Spirit into purpose. But it's not just about the things that we do, it's about why we do it, and it's about how we do it. It's about what's flowing through our hearts and our lives as we do it, because heart and spirit get conveyed through our actions. If we minister to somebody through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they're gonna get something from our heart and our spirit as well in the mix. And what Paul is saying is here that something of our actions will be incomplete or unfruitful if the how and the why and what is in our heart is not attended to. <clears throat> the good news is we're not doing this on our own. He goes on, he writes these words, the fruit of the Spirit. Perhaps these are familiar to us, the fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, 
and self-control. Now, again, when we come to this list, we can do just the same thing as we do in other areas of life. I think this is a list that I'm meant to be attaining to. Uh, this is a list that shows me uh, how well I'm doing or how badly doing. I need to work a little bit better on gentleness. I need to work a bit better on patience. And we, we quickly turn it into an exercise of striving. But I don't think that is entirely what is being meant here. They're not listed as a list of virtues. They're not listed as a list of goals. They're listed as fruit. This is just what grow from Holy Spirit. The attributes that are typical of him and what he desires to lead you into. A little while ago, I was reading this, these verses, and I realized perhaps for the first time, maybe this is obvious to you, but it just occurred to me, this is how Holy Spirit has treated me. He's treated me with love and joy, and he's given me peace, and he's treated me with patience, so much patience. And he's been kind and good and faithful, he's been gentle and such self-control. You know, if the consuming fire and the creator of the cosmos comes and lives in you and works with you gently and graciously and kindly, he's showing some self-control right. I realize this is what Holy Spirit has been doing in me. This is what he's like. Freely, I have received. Freely, I've received. The offer and the invitation of Holy Spirit is not to hold this list up as a standard that we must strive after, but that we would lean in to be led into these things, that we would allow him to be in every part of our life so we can freely receive love, freely receive joy, freely receive his patience, freely receive his kindness. Because when we're freely receiving it, then there's potential that we might freely give it to someone else. You know, fruit can't be manufactured. It can't be produced. You need the seed. You need the DNA. And if you've got the DNA and you've got the seed, even then you need to put it in the ground. You need to make some space. You need to make some room. You might need to nurture it. You might need to water it. You might need to fertilize it. You might need to move some weeds out the way. And even then, you might get a plant and it would just be a little sapling, just a really young apple tree. You know, it takes about five years for an apple tree to bear any fruit. So we begin planting something, making room. You can't force it to bear fruit, but you can make the conditions right for it to grow. And so it is with the Holy Spirit. We can't strain to produce his fruit, but we can take the seed and receive it. And we can plant it in the ground of our lives. We can nurture it. We can make the conditions for it to grow, remove the weeds maybe, and if we do that, then in the landscape of our life, although it will change if you are growing something different in there, just as if you put a tree in your garden, the landscape will change, but there will be fruit, a very fruitful tree in time. He's interested in the motives of our heart. He's interested in the areas where his fruit isn't evident. And you know, if we look at this list and we think, well, actually, I'm not doing great with this, or I'm not doing great with gentleness, that's a good thing to think because this allows Holy Spirit to show us what is going on in our lives. And very often, if we're not demonstrating one of these fruit, it's because there's a part of our lives where we have not invited Holy Spirit in. 
Perhaps there's some hurt or some pain or some frustration, some disappointment, and we could go on with that list. And we just push things down and we keep them blocked off and we don't go there. Which means then sometimes when somebody says something or behaves in a certain way, our response is an outburst of anger. It's not because you're bad, it's just because there's a bit of your life, of who you are, that you have not allowed Holy Spirit to come into. So there is no seed there for the fruit to grow from. If you were to allow him in, yeah, there might be some things to process, but he would begin to bring love, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, something different would begin to grow so that maybe then from that area of your life would come gentleness, kindness, self-control. Not because you've managed yourself better, but because there's different seed in that part of your life. The truth is, in my life, I have active dialogue with Holy Spirit on a number of these fruit. He points out to me uh, when I'm responding without love. And I'm grateful that he does that. And I lean in for his help to be led. So, Holy Spirit, help me. This is conviction. This is how he shows us. It's inviting Holy Spirit to point out where we can grow, where things aren't as they should be. We need to be careful then when Holy Spirit starts to point things out in our lives. So we have a choice to make as to how we respond. We can do something with it and lean in and say, okay, what are you going to do about this, Holy Spirit? What do we need to do about this? And we can listen and we can lean in and we move in a certain direction with Holy Spirit that actually moves towards us becoming more sensitive. If we begin to realize actually there's this area and a, I'm not where I need to be, and I can feel like the Holy Spirit's just resting on that, and I think, no, I'm not going there. I'm going to leave it. I don't want to go there. I don't want to do that. It takes us in a different direction. We actually become less sensitive to Holy Spirit. Our heart becomes, if you like, a little hardened, a little cold towards Him. But He wants us to journey with Him because He wants to be working in us and he wants to be working through us. He wants us to be sensitive to what he wants to do in us and how he wants to use us to bless other people. And we can't separate these two things out because they all come from one person who's living in us. We can't think that we can be sensitive about how we minister to others, but not sensitive about what he wants to do in me. It just doesn't work that way. I wonder if I can invite Daniel just to come Holy Spirit wants to keep growing each one of us in our sensitivity. You know, when I first began listening to Holy Spirit to try and step out and to bring in encouragement, I used to, uh, and I used to need a lot of physiological symptoms to believe that I should do it. A thumping heart, feel a bit sweaty, just not be able to get comfortable in my seat, and it would, I would think, oh, I've got to bring something. No, it's not so much. I would still like that. It's like, I would really like it if you made it that clear still, Holy Spirit. But he doesn't because he wants us to grow in sensitivity. I was in a conversation just a couple of weeks ago, and someone's talking to me about a, a challenge they're in with a statutory agency, and they're not being treated right and fairly. And I just I had this, it was just like a niggle, tiny niggle, and it seemed a bit weird, so I just ignored it. It didn't go away. And all I could think of was the bread and the cup of communion. And so I said, this might be nothing. <laughs> Sounds a bit random. 
But I just wonder if maybe Holy Spirit is saying, you need to get the bread and the cup of communion and pray about this. And in that moment, it was interesting, he said, to, he laughed actually. The person I was speaking with, he said, oh, I'm going to be in trouble with my wife because she's been telling me we need to do this and we haven't done it. And so they went home and they began doing that. They just got it out on the table and they keep praying about this thing. And some things have begun to shift. It's not completely resolved, but some things are being dealt with in a slightly different manner. As we listen to that quiet whisper. There's another side to that message that, men, if you listen to the ladies in your life, you can save the Holy Spirit some work, but that's uh, something else. <laughs> just a side. It seemed obvious to me. I thought maybe I'll just spell that out for you. You know, recently I became aware. Let me just share one final story before we respond. And we're going to respond in a moment. Just be open to Holy Spirit to fill every part of our lives. I became aware recently, sometime last year, a part of how I function, I, the way that I carry responsibility is I carry it a bit heavily. And I realized that I'd lost my joy. And people around my life, particularly my family, they say, oh, we love it when we go on holiday because you're different. I don't want to hear my family say things like that, but I have to be honest about the truth of how something's impacted me. The reality is that I carry things and was carrying things in a way that I wasn't carrying it sufficiently with Holy Spirit. I was carrying things by myself in a way that's different. So I came to the Lord, I went on a time of retreat. I was like, what do I do about this Holy Spirit? How can I lean in to be led by you? Because I believe that you want me to carry joy. So how do we go about this? And just realizing that I needed to walk closer with him, the three-legged race, I needed to lean in on all the things that would take my joy, on all the things that I would carry too heavily, I needed to lean in. And I started doing something, real simple little thing. But every evening before I go to bed, I have this little prayer routine. It takes five minutes. You might call it an examine if you are, like spiritual language. But what I do is I reflect on the day that has been and give thanks for anything that I'm thankful for. I then consider what has been life-giving and where the presence of God has been in my day. Because I'm trying to tune in to the presence of God in my life. So I learn to lean in more and to do things with him. And then I think about whether there were points in the day where the presence of God was there, but I missed him because I was too busy or too distracted or just not leaning in. And then I commit to do tomorrow, leaning in to be led by the spirit conscious of his presence. I've been doing it since last September. I don't manage it every day, but I do it most days. And the thing is this, is my family noticed the difference. So it's a little thing of leaning in every day. It means there's a different level of joy in my life because I need his seed to bring his fruit into how I live. Since we are living by the Spirit, friends, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let's lean in in every part. Let's lean in to be loved by the Spirit. Let's lean in to live by the Spirit and let him bring us into freedom and lean in to be led by the Spirit. I wonder if I can invite us to stand. In just a moment, the band are gonna lead us in a song of, of response. Seems to me, actually, the right response for us just is to invite Holy Spirit into every part of our lives.
We were never expected to live a Christian walk without Holy Spirit. This is the design. He is the parakletos. He is the helper. He is the one that comes alongside. There's a whole huge list of what he's meant to do in you to help you. And the encouragement today is simply to lean in, in every part of your life. Let's pray. Let's open ourselves up. Father, we want to thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit to be with us, to be alongside us, to be with and to fill every person who believes in and accepts Jesus. And we say thank you. And Holy Spirit, today we just say sorry. We repent for all the times, all the areas of our lives where we just choose to pull away or do our own thing instead of leaning into you and into the love and the grace and the power that you make available to us. Please come in today to every part of my life. Please come in today into every part of our lives, Holy Spirit. We need you. Please come into the parts that we know well and understand and the parts that we don't. Please come into the parts where we're doing okay and into the parts where we're really not and where we're struggling and where we still mess up. Please come into every part where we carry pain, whether we know it or whether we don't. Please show us what's in us. Help us to lean into you in every part. And help us, Lord, to be loved by you. Help us to live by you. Help us to be led by you so you can change us, use us, and work in us what is pleasing to you, Jesus. We ask in your name. Amen. Amen.